Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with my guy Sterling Holmes. We're glad to be here. Sterling, what's uh, going on on your side? Uh, Why did six hours of sports talk, whether it was the podcast with Arrowhead Attic, Stack in the Box, ESPN Kansas City, 810 here in Kansas City. So I go, all right, I'm taking the radio show off today. Went golfing, played a few holes, had to had to come back early for this, right? I'm not gonna miss for this. You. Yeah. So I leave, just find out just find out when I get back. Two hole in ones today at the club. I would be drinking free whiskey wow. right now, but because I care so much about you and talking Chiefs, I, I I'm here. So I, I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, uh, I'm riding high off the Chiefs' primetime win and the narrative that Mahomes is once again the MVP frontrunner. And I had a thought about the game. We'll get into the game more, but let's just lead with this. So King Henry was outrushed by Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And it was Patrick Mahomes' legs, not Derrick Henry's legs, that won the game. So... If we're going by like the old WWF rules, the king has to abdicate his uh, abdicate his throne. Patrick Mahomes is the new king. All hail King Patrick. Hey, you can't argue with that, man. You just can't argue. No. Nope. Everyone knows the second half of the game, that was what was deciding who was the rushing leader. Sorry, Derrick Henry should have known better. He should have, frankly, should have ran harder. That's on him. It's been a great reign. Maybe one day you'll be king again, but right now you're maybe Duke Henry, Nobleman Henry, something. Not, Earl. not king. Earl Henry. I like Earl, Earl. Henry. I, yeah, I, he's he's, he's an Earl. But you know what we should do for Mahomes having more rush yards than Derrick Henry in the second half? We should give him a KC beer. KC Beerco sponsors this podcast, but even if they didn't, I would tell you how good it is. KC Beerco is some of, if not the best beer you will have. The Hellas Lager, the Winterbach, their specialty uh, specialty beer out right now is outstanding. They brew their beer based on the German purity laws of 1516. The owner, Steve, was actually over in Germany a couple weeks ago getting the the hops that he wants to use in the beer. I mean, it's just outstanding, unique. Um, Once you try it, I'm telling you right now, you will love it. You will fall in love. So if you're in KC, Missouri, go find the red cartons, KC Beerco on it. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Casey Bierko, dare to beer different. Let's do some awards, shall we? Let's do it. The first award is the Way You Deal With Bullies Award. Way you deal with bullies, you take your right foot, bring it right up, catch him in his little piss pump. <clears throat> you don't have to do that, honey, uh, okay? Right. You know, seriously. That's a good idea. So the entire Chiefs team stood up to a Titans team 
that thought they could walk into Arrowhead, you know, waltz into our stadium and bully their way to a W. We weren't having it, right? Our Chiefs were not having it. They did get suckered into a street fight for a bit, but ultimately they did not capitulate and played their own brand of ball. Mahomes attempted 68 passes. That's a career high. Actually, Sterling, that is two off of Drew Bledsoe's NFL record. Were you glad to see a little vintage Texas Tech Mahomes out there? 68, that's a lot for us. Five innings of, of pitching in Major League Baseball. Five innings. Six innings if you're, if you're going really good. Come on now. But I don't want to see 68 throws from Mahomes ever again. After we saw what happened to Josh Allen, I'm sitting here going, Mahomes, good please point. no. Please no. Save the bullets. Save the arm. Ice it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want we don't want a QB one with a faulty elbow. Mm-mm. And we mentioned Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry popped off for fifty six and twenty four yard chunk games in the first half, and it looked like he was going to get rolling. But the Chiefs settled in, calmed down, and corralled him. And on his other fifteen carries, he only had thirty five yards. So especially after halftime, I thought the Chiefs came back with a much better game plan and didn't fall into the trap of playing the way that Mike Vrabel in Tennessee wanted to play. For me, this is what the Titans do. And I know a lot of folks are saying, well, why don't other teams play this way against Kansas city? They can't, you have to have the the right players, the right staff. I do think there's something to Mike Vrabel, you know, playing in the NFL being a linebacker. He knows what you can and can't get away with. He also knows if you're physical, there are going to be a lot of penalties, but eventually the reps will swallow the whistle because they won't call every penalty. While there was, what, 18 accepted penalties in this game, right? There should have been more called, but you're not going to call every single one. And that's what the game plan was against Travis Kelsey. Let's just beat him up. Eventually the ref will swallow their whistle, and he will be so tired, which we saw. I don't blame Travis Kelsey. I mean, he was getting beat up all game. If you look at the numbers, my goodness, the fact he did what he did while being doubled and just just basically punched time and time again was incredible. But again, the Titans can do this. Not every other team can. That's why I think the Chiefs have such a difficult time against Tennessee. It's a matter of personnel. Yeah. Like in the boxing or MMA game, they say styles make fights. That's kind of what happened here. 18 penalties may seem like a lot, but other than procedural and egregious stuff, they were kind of letting them play. It was a mucky, dirty, grimy game. They could have called something on the Titans every single, every single, you know, pass play. They were just holding Travis Kelsey, Juju. They were arriving early. Christian Fulton got there multiple times, super early. I thought those should have been PIs. But losers blame the refs and winners find a way to win. I know we all like to watch pretty Patrick Mahomes and kind of the the Harlem Globetrotters blowing out the Washington Generals routine, right? We all love that. But these are the games that actually build the character and give a team the medal to when, when it gets cold, when other teams are throwing everything at them but the kitchen sink and in the playoffs – this is these are the kind of tests that allow you to win a championship. Winning multiple ways. It's not always going to be a 45, you know, 10 blowout. That's just not realistic. If you look at what the Patriots do, and I know we always look back at the Patriots, but I think they have a, a very good baseline of extended success, right? They didn't always win pretty. It wasn't. 
but great teams win close games. You can be a good team. I think the Chargers are a good team. They lose close games, right? Yeah, Those teams absolutely. don't win. They don't come away with the victory. If you can find ways when, if you think the refs are, I think the refs were, for, or were poor for both sides. That's not an excuse, but the refs were not good. And that typically favors the worst team, in my opinion, because it muddies the game up. When you're going against a team that's, that's not your style, they're, they're the kryptonite, right? You have to find a way to get it done. If you're not playing your A-plus game, how, how often will you play your A-plus game in a season? Four times? Maybe? I, I, always, I, always, I like to say, if you play your, your B-minus game, you know, slightly above, slightly above average, right? That's kind of what right. you try and go for. I don't think the Chiefs played a B-minus game here. They, they played about a C. Mahomes played above that, but everyone else, you know, I, I think it was a good display of what we'll see going forward. And if it comes to this in the playoffs, they know how to come away with the victory. That's what really matters here. Yeah, you like them going from about a D grade in the first half defensively to about a B plus in the second half. That's what you want to see. You want to see teams adjust and get better throughout the game. What the Titans did actually reminded me of the Patriots. It's funny that you mentioned the Patriots. Back in 2003, in the AFC, uh, in the AFC Championship game, Ty Law, Roman Pfeiffer, Willie McGinnis, so all those guys were so rough. Marvin Harrison got his ass thrown out of bounds. Uh, Marcus Pollard was getting tossed around. The NFL actually changed – well, I don't know if they changed their rules. They kind of called it the Thai law rule. But they reinforced both legal conduct and pass interference because this happens like every decade. There's an offensive ex- explosion, and defenses get fed up, and they start to push the envelope and see how much they can get away with because – how else are you going to stop the Travis Kelsey Patrick Holmes connection? You can't. I mean, frankly, you can't. No, sir. And we, and we saw it. Now it looks like Noah Gray is starting to get in on the fun. Uh, let's go to the next award the Sorry, I Thought You Were Dead Award. Sorry, can't help you. We're dead. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were dead. Yeah, Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, he, he's not dead. I mean, let's be real here. A lot of folks are writing Juju off. Uh, I was fairly enthused about what he was going to bring to the team this year. I was one of them. I was higher on him than most. And I still thought he was going to be around 950 yards receiving. He is on pace to blow that out of the water. He looks completely healthy. He he looks like the old Juju. I mean, if, if you're just telling me right now that Chiefs are going to resign him, you're looking at a big contract. I mean, I mean, Juju has played incredibly well. And it's not just the Chiefs or a lot of fans that thought he might be done. Look at what he signed for. That tells me a lot of teams around the NFL thought he was done too. They did. And to quote Mark Twain or whoever this is attributed to nowadays, reports of of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, I'm not going to victory lap too much because I was not as high on Juju coming into the season as you were. Just needed to see it. The injuries, that Pittsburgh offensive environment, their offense right now is even worse than Denver's. It is the worst offense in the league. So now it makes a lot of sense why he couldn't get it going there. Deontay Johnson right now is struggling mightily. But let's dive into what Juju is doing, especially lately. 
Juju is now 16th in yards per route run among wide receivers after a kind of slow start. It took him a while to get on the same page uh, with Mahomes, learn the playbook, all of that. For context, that's right between Jamar Chase and DK Metcalf. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as either of those guys, but to even be in that elite uh, company efficiency-wise is, is quite the feat. And this is even better. Juju is fourth in yak among wide receivers behind some guys you might have heard of. Cup, Jefferson, and Tariq. I don't know. Maybe Who? maybe those names uh, Who? don't stand out to you. Who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> <laughs> no, but just, I mean – yeah, I was gonna say, he, he has been everything and more. You wanted a guy who was good after catch, but who was going to thrive in the intermediate game. He's been that. The reason why I thought some of the injuries could be slightly overblown with a guy like him, that's not his calling card. He was a good route runner. He was shifty. He, he runs similar to, to Travis Kelsey in a way, right? Where you're like, how's this guy getting open? It's not the speed. It's not necessarily the athleticism. It's the, yeah, the smarts. It's knowing where the zone is, knowing how to beat your man. Has good hands. I mean, that's what you... Great hands. It's a guy who you would, would assume would age gracefully as well, right? Obviously, Tyreek Hill, he's aging gracefully in his own right. But Juju, who's relatively young for how long he's been in the NFL, seems like a guy who will be effective for a long time. Absolutely. The Chiefs diagnosed something with him that the rest of us really didn't see. And they diagnosed where the league is headed with these power slots we've talked about before. Juju just has this innate sense for where the holes in the defense are. And very few players have that. Travis Kelsey is, and they gush about this on air, and they should, because he might have, outside of quarterbacks, the best understanding. You know, Cooper Cup, some other guys are up there. But when it comes to getting open and knowing where the holes in the zone or how to beat certain corners and, or safeties and their tendencies, he is as good as it gets, as good as it ever has been. And Juju has a little bit of that. And you have to think he's learning from Kelsey. Kelsey is rubbing off. He's spending a lot of time with Patrick Mahomes. That bond, that chemistry they have on and off the field just seems really natural. And it would be a shame if he stays healthy and keeps producing at this level, it would be a damn shame to let him go because he's just a natural fit. Yeah, and I, I don't want to talk too much about what the future holds for, for him in KC or not, just based on this season's already been so fun and talking about the future seems more like a off-season event. So with that in mind, we will talk about Juju and what the future holds for him in KC or not. But again, let's just enjoy what he's doing right now, which is being a phenomenal, legitimate wide receiver one. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be S-O-L if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch. Now, let's be real. I didn't have to use it. 
I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, let's get into the next award. The Who the F is that guy award? Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that? Yeah, we're a little spicy with the uh, the video clips today. Yeah, what the, what the hell, Adam? I thought this was a family show. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. What the fuck, Adam? <laughs> earmuffs, you know, that, that's always an option. Yeah. It's always the earmuffs. Yeah, I love that. Great move, old school. What a, what a good movie. Good movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm-hmm. And the winner is Kalen Saunders. Colin former, Saunders. Colin come Saunders. on. He's going to come out right now. I, I know. it. I, I always get that. I get Marquez right, but I always get that wrong. I mean, come on, Adam. <laughs> the former third-round pick has been largely forgotten about, right? He, I mean, I forgot he was a third-round pick until it got mentioned the other day. I had to look it up. Western Illinois. Uh, but he's definitely popping in these last few games. And I, I, I have to assume the reason – why we haven't heard from him more is these injury riddled seasons that have just kind of derailed his early career because the guy is a flat out genetic Marvel at six foot, 325 pounds. It's a human bowling ball. He should not have the agility of a cat, but he does. I really don't know if I've seen another human with his body type move exactly like that. It's really exciting. And I'm hoping I was really disappointed to, lose Turk Wharton for the season because he was coming into his own, really producing, uh, especially as a pass rusher and a good compliment to Chris Jones and Derek Nottie. But maybe Saunders 
is the guy that can provide in a different fashion just as much as what Wharton was. What do you think, Sterling? Yeah, I, I've been thrilled, and I love angry, drunken German in the chat. A back-flipping nose tackle is insane, and I know Ooh. the athleticism just jumps off the charts. Uh, what was he nicknamed? The, the Aaron Donald of the FCS when he was coming out. He was a guy in college who was known as getting after the quarterback. He was a pass rusher first. And then they tried here in Kansas City to say, all right, we need you to work on stuff in the run based on your size. Well, then Chuck Wharton, you know, filled that role. Then you had Derek Naughty who filled that role. And now it, they're letting him be himself. They're letting him be himself, which is a guy who's good at both. I, he, he excels getting after the quarterback and putting him next to Chris Jones, Carl Loftus. Uh, you know, Carl Loftus is great against the run. Uh, even when Frank Clark is, is back and, you know, off suspension, He's a guy who's good against the run. So that allows you to have Chris Jones and if you wanted to have Colin Saunders in the middle come after the quarterback, you can. I mean, that's a dangerous game you're playing right there. And you're looking at a D-line that could maybe get a lot of pressure on the key. I've been thrilled with him. He was a project. We knew this. But it's time for more snaps. Derek Nottie, I think he's a useful player. He's having a down year. He is. Derek Nottie's not been the same guy this year as he was last year. Give more snaps to Colin Saunders until Derek Naughty figures it out. I, there's no reason to not. I mean, yeah, Turk Warden, I think he was having a great year, like you mentioned. But let's see what Colin Saunders – I know the size is – I know some people get concerned about the size as far as the, um, the stamina. That athletic marvel, he's got some stamina. Watch him get up to the QB. He's sitting there. He's, he's not huffing and puffing. He's like, give me more. He can just flat out do things that Derek Naughty cannot do. Derek Naughty's sort of a space eating legion, right? He's a he's a run stopper. He's not someone who's going to get after the quarterback. And Saunders has more versatility to him. Remember, defensive line is one of these positions. Sometimes you have the rare stud who immediately flashes, but most of the time they're projects. We've seen a lot of really great. Pass rushers, defensive tackles take a little while to mature. Not everyone is, is Micah Parsons and just takes the lead by storm in their first snap or even their second year. So I think we should give him more playing time, see what element he adds to the defense, maybe even get him involved at, at running back, fullback. Have you seen some of those high school clips? Dude, good luck. <laughs> Imagine being in high school and that's the running back. How is, he's hurtling people? Yeah, no, I would be. I would. I be don't understand. Beyond how, scared. Do you understand the physics of how he moves? No. Even Albert Einstein would be would be confused. Stephen Hawking. We all, all <laughs> the people that could figure out how this guy moves are are no longer with us. It's it's sad. But let's transition to the next award, and this is the. I could be whatever you want award. I could be fun. If you want. Pensive. Uh, smart. <laughs> uh, superstitious. Brave. And uh, I could be light on my feet. I could be whatever you want. That's the notebook. If we have any fans of, of rom-coms out there, we, we go pretty heavy with the comic book, our movie, kind of dude bro stuff. So, you know, taking a different uh, approach there. But let's take a moment to celebrate one luxurious. No, well, let's take a moment just to, to, to say you strike me as a big Hallmark movie guy. Absolutely not. 
I uh, will watch. I will watch a romantic comedy if it is well made. I will watch any genre there is. I love film. I love t- television. Uh, always been my thing, along with football. But uh, most rom coms, and especially most Hallmark movies, are a little formulaic for my taste. I will say. But let's let's move on and take a moment to celebrate Legarius Need, one of my favorite Chiefs. He's one of the most versatile players in the league. I don't think that's hyperbole. Tackling, coverage, run-stopping, blitzing. He can do it all. He, he's a PFF seventh-graded cornerback, right? But the Chiefs were using him as sort of a de facto linebacker there in the second half after Leo Chanel. He had a rough first half. He was one of the Chiefs where I was like, woof, from that very first play, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that Titan's name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I went back and watched that play with that Titan screen. I went back and watched it like 20 times on the All-22. I still can't figure how five Chiefs missed that guy. Mm. Leo Chanel had him dead to rights. Then Willie Gay whiffed. And Nick Bolton got turned around. Naughty whiffed. Juan Thornhill whiffed, and eventually Justin Reed got to him like 40 yards downfield. My kind of theory is they were just they were just too amped up to tackle Derrick Henry. It definitely wasn't death row. That definitely, definitely wasn't was death not. row. No, no. No, but Legereus Sneed has, and you mentioned the, the Swiss Army knife. I'm, he's done a great job of the Tyron Matthew role the first two years of Tyron Matthew in Kansas City, right? A guy Beautiful. who would put would put his nose in there, a good tackler, a good in coverage. He can blitz. He, he does whatever you ask of him, and he does it well. You, you know, and that's what's so impressive. It's not like he's a good coverage guy. Like, like what would you say? What's his best attribute? Is it coverage? Is it tackling? Is it blitzing from the secondary? You can make a case for any of them. Because that's how good he is. He excels at everything he does. The size is there. I mean, he is truly a special player. He's the second most important player on the Kansas City defense. I think that some people are going to push back and say Nick Bolton, maybe because of the the Mizzou factor. When you consider the versatility of Snead and the way he allows Spags to kind of disguise what the defense is doing and all the different things he can do, he is the long-term replacement for the honey badger. In a way, it's funny that we we brought in Cook and Reed and this guy that plays corner for us, and that's kind of underselling what he does because he plays in the slot outside all over the place, but he did play some safety in college, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they just immediately saw this guy, is his position is athlete. His position is asset. Whatever we need him to be, He's kind of the, the queen piece on the defensive chessboard. We move him around wherever we want, and he helps us keep the def- I mean, the offense guessing. I really hope a long-term extension is in the works for, with Legereus Need. My only concern is the amount of secondary pieces that were drafted recently. That makes me a little concerned thinking the Chiefs know they couldn't keep up to pay Legereus Need. That, that's me being a cynic. So if this happens, know that at least they had guys in place. They drafted guys now instead of later. But that's a cynic in me. I really I hope we weren't Legere- talking about the future. You're I know. Bre- I'm breaking sorry. my heart here, man. That's my I would guy. never break your heart, Adam. I would that's, never. I'm, I'm break your heart. his. I want them to. Hey, I want them to re-sign him. 
I love Legereus Sneed. I let think he's Juan such Thornhill a valuable that's, piece. That's who you let walk. Yeah, but Juan Thornhill ain't getting a lot of money. Legereus is going to get a lot of money because he is that good. We are watching one of the most versatile, best corners in the NFL right now. I mean, it's, it's just that impactful. So don't take in, in what Legereus Sneed does for granted because not many players can do everything as well as he can. Get yourself a 38 jersey. I, I just did that. That's the first jersey I've bought in a long time. And I, mm. I feel confident because he's, he's just been performing uh, pretty much on a game-in, game-out basis since he arrived in Kansas City. I want to give a couple, uh, couple shout-outs on the uh, Facebook Live, on the comments right here. Uh, Clint McKenzie, uh, thank you for your comment, by the way, on um, Apple Podcast Reviews. We saw that. That was very nice of you, Clint. Uh, Hallmark Movies Rule, Not Ashamed, Raymond Chandler. Can't wait for the Tarantino Hallmark Christmas movie, Gary oh my H. God. Hallmark that needs to happen. Hallmark Channel plays Christmas movies all year long. Uh, and then a lot of comments about uh, KL368. Uh, Joshua Williams, probably his best game yet. Matthew Plymail. McDuffie had a great game back after being out seven weeks. Yeah, he did. McDuffie looked really, really good after being out that long. Very, very thrilled and very excited about Trip McDuffie. McDuffie Island. Hey, I like it. Hey, I'll buy in. I- I'm buying into McDuffie Island. Give me a, a dock. If we're going with docks, I think that's the you way. Might, it- hey, you might not have that hard of a time getting there, but you probably won't be able to leave because, you know, he just puts people on lock. By the way, off topic here, but just we're talking about islands very quickly. We go to Florida every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanibel Islands, where we go to, it's legitimately an island. This is the, the causeway. Well, the hurricane came through and it destroyed the um, the pathway, right? The what, what do you call it? The causeway. It ended up getting fixed in three days. But my uncle has a house there and he wanted to check on the house because they all had to evacuate. He took a jet ski over to the island. The jet ski breaks down. So oh, he's man. stuck on the island. He has to call uh, whatever, like the not, the, not the Navy. What's it called? The uh, Coast Guard. Coast Guard. Because he needs his medicine. There's no food. Well, he felt like an ass for, get, for going over there. So he joined the cleanup crew. And so he was, because he felt so bad, he was now like rebuilding the entire island just because he felt bad. So I thought that was hilarious. So shout out to my, uh, my uncle. Not all heroes wear capes. No, they just take jet skis over to islands that they break down on. (laughs) No, sir. Speaking of heroes, sometimes we do hero of the week. Sometimes we do hater of the week. This edition, we are doing heater of the week. And you absolutely love to see members of the mainstream media put out sensible Patrick Mahomes takes. A lot of times they are not so sensible because that's not really what does, does numbers for them. This one from ESPN's Dan Graziano. Mahomes was so good so early in his career that he quickly ascended into that LeBron James, Michael Jordan zone, where it's almost as if voters look for a reason to give the MVP award to someone else. And he might live in that zone for the rest of his career, but he shouldn't. It's a salient point. Uh, As I alluded to in my newsletter, Mahomes is thought of as, you know, the best throwing quarterback, but he's, almost even with rushing quarterback Jalen Hurts, a fellow MVP frontrunner in rushing EPA. And what's so remarkable, remarkable about that, it's like 22 to 17. Uh, what's so remarkable about that is Jalen Hurts has about three times the rushing attempts. There's just something about this guy, the way he senses and sees the field, that is one of a kind. 
No, it's it's incredible. I, I do think I'm taking nothing away from Jalen Hurts because if you even want to go to Great what player. Jalen Hurts has, uh, the knock against him was going to be the arm right. He he has more yards per attempt than than Patrick Mahomes. Not only more yards per attempt, he also has a higher completion percentage. So I'm taking nothing away from Jalen Hurts here. But Mahomes has just been phenomenal. And, and you, you mentioned it. I, I think that's one, one of the best points there is he is so good so quickly – you do start finding reasons to vote against him. It was always, well, okay, well, Mahomes is already there. So who's next? It was Justin Herbert. It was Josh Allen. It Joe was Burr. Lamar Jackson. Joe Burr. Like, it was always, okay, well, Mahomes is already here. Who's next? Same thing happened with Michael Jordan. You always try and find the guy who, who can compete with this guy. And I think that's just something we need to take a step back. There can be other phenomenal quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts, I think, you know, those guys are phenomenal quarterbacks. They're not Patrick Mahomes. They just aren't. Prodigies are rare. And it's hard to understand someone who's so just naturally, effortlessly talented at something. Because most of us, we all have our talents. We all have things that we do extremely well and that we're passionate about. But to do something on that on Mahomes level, the way he plays football, that's Mozart-like. So let's do a thought exercise here, Sterling. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have the Dolphins and Eagles surrounding offensive talent or the Chiefs? I would put Eagles first because their offensive line is unreal. And I'd put Miami, I think, above the Chiefs based on their wide receivers and, and receiving options. And left tackle. And left tackle. <laughs> the Eagles have a phenomenal supporting cast. Best line in the league, probably. Mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Top five tight end. AJ Brown, top five receiver. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty unquestionable after the season he's had. Yeah. Devonta Smith, no slouch. A trio of pretty capable running backs. And Miami has some good running backs as well. Both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are criminally underrated so both I, niners hey that niners running game this is why i like Jarek mckinnon so much we've talked about this they teach guys to hit the hole with reckless abandon it's it's really something else uh, by the way jackie burns i see your comment damn great value jim rome hilarious by the way that's very funny uh make up your mind on stack of the box you said Jalen was the mvp and now you're saying he's not in the level of Mahomes. i think this year Jalen hurts is the mvp i would still say that I think Mahomes is the better quarterback overall. If you're building a franchise, who are you picking? You're picking Mahomes. Jalen Hurts, though, is undefeated. Until the Eagles lose, I can't go against that. Again, I've already said the, the numbers, the yards per attempt, the completion percentage. Um, again, Defenses do play him differently than Mahomes. 100%. Will, they load up for the run way more. And so I that's why Eagles- that yards per attempt number, I think, is a little misleading. And what we're saying right now, the Eagles have a better roster, but I'm not going to hold that against Jalen Hurts. And I do think part of the MVP talk, it does center around who's next. Aaron Rodgers, I was shocked, won back-to-back MVPs. That surprised me. Most of the time you win one and you're done. He's not a likable guy, right? Yeah, he's not not at all. I I thought last year Tom Brady had a better argument. I thought it should have been Cooper Cup, personally. I thought Cooper Cup was the NFL MVP. Maybe even Jonathan Taylor late in the year had a claim if his team made the playoffs. They did not. But uh, I think it's silly that it has to be a quarterback award. But this year, it definitely should be a quarterback award. But 
Two of those guys, Hertz and Tua, are byproducts of their environment. Meanwhile, Mahomes is like... I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. The Departed, baby. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will get your blood pumping. Uh, we should also mention Buffalo here because Josh Allen, let's, let's all say some prayers and send out some good vibes for his elbow. I want to beat Buffalo full strength, no excuses, you know, mono e mono. Let's do it again in the playoffs. I think after last year's playoff game, we are all owed that, but he is playing with a better receiving core, a more dominant defense in some ways, maybe what you would call over the past three seasons, the most consistent defense in the entire NFL and the chiefs, their defense flashes at times, uh, but their, their defense and special teams combined are bottom three in EPA. Now, some of that is skewed because their special teams, which are normally phenomenal, have been actually pretty shitty. Would you agree with that? They, they have not been up to their, their usual standard with kick returning, kicking. The punting's been good. Yeah, that's fair. Tommy Townsend, you know, you're doing your job. Everyone else, eh. Harrison Bucker, I, I just have to say, I think he's going to be okay. For all the people who are saying he needs to, to go, you're wrong. Who, who are you getting that's better than Harrison Bucker on the open market? I love the folks that say, well, Justin Tucker makes all – it's Justin Tucker. He, he's a unicorn. He, he's the best kicker in the NFL by a wide margin. Harrison Bucker might be second. If you talk to former kickers, like I talked to, to Nick Lowry, right, former Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker, he'll say Harrison Bucker's probably the second best kicker in the NFL. He might not be 100% right now. He was rusty. That, that time off could have um, taken something away. He's got to get back into a rhythm. I am not worried about Harrison Bucker. When was the last time he's missed a massive kick game on the line? Late in the game? Never. He did have a miss. Some rocky moments in that Bengals game Mm -hmm. in the AFC championship. But when you need him in that game against Buffalo, he iced it. He He tends to come up in the clutch. I would not... You're creating a problem if you think you can find someone better than him because you can't. We've Correct. been through this. We saw when we were having auditions for replacement kickers, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely brutal. I do not want to go live in that world again. Yeah, no, 100%. That, that, that's all I have to say. Do not get on the kicker carousel. You can't get off. No way. Really, to summarize this, I think that Mahomes elevates his roster more than any other quarterback in the league. And that's why he should always be centered in the MVP conversation. I hope, I really hope that we don't look forward five or 10 years from now and he still only has the one just because people have kind of Mahomes fatigue. It's not fair to him that people have short-term attention spans and can't appreciate greatness sometimes. Let's get into heater. No, no. Let's get into, sorry, it was on the screen. I got, that's on me. It's on me. I, I admit it. That's on me. Heater, no. Hot take kingdom. It's both hot, baby. Both fire. But hot take kingdom. Adam, what do you have for us this week? Let me get some water because I might be talking for a while. <clears throat> <laughs> My hot take is 
the Chiefs don't have a rushing problem. This might make some heads explode. Let's have some fun with it. Despite their alleged establish the run problem, the Chiefs offense is easily number one in expected points added per play. Their number is roughly 25% bigger than Buffalo's, the next best offense in the league. In big games and crunch times, we just talked about this, Mahomes will use his legs to scramble. He's great on a per-play uh, basis scrambling. And I think you don't see it as much as you do with some of these other quarterbacks because he really only pulls it out of his, of his hat when the Chiefs are on the ropes and they need him to be a magician and pull out a win, right? And because I think the injury concerns, he's a, a half a billion dollar investment. He knows that. Everyone knows that. So I think that's partially why he doesn't run more, which I think when you think of the playoffs, you have to consider Mahomes scrambling a very vital component of the running game. Now, McCole Hardman sweeps and screens. I would call those de facto, de facto running game plays. The same will go for Kadarius Tony once we get him up to speed. The function is similar, right? Keep the defense honest, prevent them from sitting back. You don't want the other team's offensive t- or, or edge rushers to pin their ears back and m- make life hellacious for uh, Wiley and Brown, who struggle enough as it is. Let's look at Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster is a stud when it comes to sitting down and converting short gains even if it means absorbing punishment. We saw that a lot on Sunday night. He would just sit there and take shots from guys. And that is, I would call running game adjacent, that that short game passing. Uh, Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, he's still learning the ropes. He played in a horrific offense at Rutgers. They, they had no talent around him. The line was awful. Part of his struggles I don't think he really got to, I'm not trying to make a ton of excuses for the guy, but I do not think he got to develop his vision and feel for running lanes because there weren't any available at Rutgers. Jarek McKinnon, the Chiefs may be using him sparingly right now to save him for the postseason. This is kind of hot takey too, but he was the workhorse last year. He's a 30-year-old guy. And he has a pretty extensive injury history. So they don't want to run him into the ground during the regular season. Not the biggest guy either. I definitely agree there. Because I said the same thing. Going into this year, I I said, this is a guy who has been injury prone. He might be the best overall running back on this team. But with his age and injury, uh, past injury history, it's going to be sparingly until they really need him. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm feeling some samesies energy here. We we haven't really we haven't really connected on the hot take kingdom lately. So maybe I, I, I will, you're close. I I think I differ with you just a little bit because I do think they have a, a a running problem. But well, I'm not done selling yet. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know if I'm buying. Okay, Adam. I know, I thought you were, but I was being presumptuous, I guess. So Casey has been able to sustain long drives without handing the ball off a ton. One big concern is time of possession. In the past, teams have kind of held onto the ball and tried to keep the Chiefs off the Chiefs offense off the field. The most notable example of this was the uh, the AFC conference cha- or the AFC championship against the Patriots, the D Ford game. That's all I really need to say. But I don't really see it as an issue because the Chiefs are seventh overall in time of possession. 
at 30 minutes and 57 seconds per matchup. This isn't the same debate as last year where teams were bracketing Kelsey and Hill, which kind of left the, the KC offense without passing attack options. I would call the current offensive skill group much more multiple. It, it does a great job having all those guys out there. Last week, we didn't even have Jody Fortson. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard that mentioned, but he's been, he's been a real asset to this uh, offense from moment to moment. And this is a key a key thing I found according to Rotoviz, they have some nice stats tools over there for fantasy football and regular football. The chiefs running backs group as a whole have the easiest remaining strength of schedule. So things can only get better. I mean, hopefully because the matchups are, are pretty juicy. I would say that really the only argument you need here is that the red and gold have the most talented player on the planet, maybe in history. And you don't want to take the ball out of his hands too much especially when passing is typically more efficient than running. Sterling, you've been patient. You've heard my case. Should we lower the castle gates or keep them up? What's your decision? I agree with actually the majority of the points you've made. I do. You don't want to take the ball out of Mahomes' hand. I I think it's a multifaceted issue here. I think I have – I don't know if the Chiefs have a rushing problem. It's an RPO problem. I think hmm. the RPO is killing the run game. I, I think if they took the RPO out of their offense, the run game would be fine. The offensive line has been discombobulated because they don't know what they're doing right now, whether it's a run or a pass. Mahomes sometimes holds on the ball too long. You can't look for your second option when you take the ball back. The offensive line will be downfield. They don't know. They're not turning around asking Patrick, hey, you, you throw in or you guys or you hand it off? That's so, where the flags come out. Exactly. And so I think the RPO is really been an issue because if you're running back as well, you're sitting here going, am I, am I, am I getting the ball or not? You don't know. So you know, yeah, you've taken the ball. You have to take a second to see if you're running or not. I think it's a multifaceted issue that starts with the RPO that involves the coaching that involves the offensive line and that involves the running backs. I don't think it's as important as some people uh, do when it comes to, you have to have a run game to make the defense honest. The Titans knew the Chiefs were running or were throwing the ball. Mahomes still threw for 468. There's been a lot of studies done that you don't have to have an effective run game for play action to work. I know it's hard to wrap your head around because you would think, well, you have to at least keep them honest. The statistics show you really don't. I think there's an issue with the RPO, and that's where I stand. So if that counts as the rushing problem, then I then that's up to you. I, it's semantics here. I got to. I would call that a play calling problem. I agree with you on the RPOs. I also agree with you on play action. Uh, running the ball effectively is not a necessary thing to setting up play action. We kind of abandoned play action on Sunday night for some reason. Maybe they didn't think they had time. But if you think about linebackers, especially, they're so conditioned to kind of jam up the run. Mm -hmm. They've been playing football their entire lives. You know, that conditioning just doesn't go away. And if you sell it effectively, they, they really don't know, but the RPO, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, It doesn't ever feel like Mahomes is going to do a design run. So I think that is the, the kind of cardinal flaw in this staple of the chiefs uh, rushing attack. And it's just kind of, 
bonkers to me that they haven't downsized it because people in Chiefs Kingdom, this is not a new argument. People have been kind of clamoring for this to be scaled down or, or totally eliminated for a couple of years now, right? The one thing I will say, the running back in the situation is not going to make a difference. I know pe- people wanted Isaiah Pacheco what happened. No difference. People want Rojo. It's not going to change anything. It, it, it comes down to play calling in the offensive line. Uh, Jerome Bunkers, he says he actually agrees run plays allow the offensive line to be aggressive. Uh, I do agree there. Uh, Tim Grunard, who wrote his book, View from the Center, talking with him, we had him on the show before as well. Run, get, just run plays in general allow the offensive line to get into a rhythm. Even if it's not a big gain, it allows them to get involved in the game. Offensive linemen prefer, most of them at least, prefer to run block rather than pass block. You're just moving your guy. You're trying to move your guy. I also think the Chiefs have struggled when it comes to they're trying to zone run. Zone run. They're trying to man run. There's too much going on in such a small sample size. No running back is getting into any rhythm. It'll be Pacheco for three carries. Now it's, now it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire for two, and then Jerry McKinnon for two. At some point, to say, you know what? You get a couple of series here. You get a couple series. Let's see what happens. I understand trying to go with the hot hand or trying to uh, keep the defense honest or guessing, but no running back can get into a rhythm. I think that's a big issue here as well. I'd like to see against some of these less threatening teams, Andy and Eric just say, well, we're going to only play two running backs today. See how mm-hmm. it goes. We're going to not play Clyde today. We're not going to, we're going to not play Jarek today mm-hmm. on Pacheco. I disagree a little bit. There was a play on Sunday where he shot through the hole like a cannon for about 12 yards. It got called back by a penalty, but I have never in my life seen CEH shoot through a hole like that. Not once, never. But wouldn't you say part of that? And again, I agree. But they're different running backs. They, he's they dan- you know, he's back there dancing like he's taking things. a salsa class. I will say Clyde picked up that big uh, first down. I was nervous. He had one yard to get, and he looked like he was going to get stopped, but he fell forward for that for that one yard. They're they're different. They're different players, and I do think sometimes Andy and the coaching staff treats them as if they're all interchangeable. Like mm. when you run to the outside with Clyde, that's a bad decision. He doesn't have the burst. He's not getting there. Jerry McKinnon can. Clyde's probably not getting there. You have to understand the, your running back strengths and their weaknesses. And it feels like Andy and the coaching staff occasionally think they're interchangeable. They're not. That conversion that Clyde had, I actually thought he was the right running back for that. He was. And they put him closer, almost like a quasi fullback. And he has such a low center of gravity and he's so compact and he's really the one thing that is really impressive about him. He really keeps those legs churning. He's tough. He's got a lot of heart. He will try to finish runs, pushing the pile forward. So that was the right calculation to give him the ball there. Totally agree with you. Sometimes they, they use these tools all the same and you have, you have a pair of pliers, a hammer and a screwdriver. They're not all the same. You got to use them correctly or it's not going to work out very well. Yeah. Um, so maybe we've decided collectively that this is more of a strategic or play calling issue from Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and the rest of the coaching staff more than it is the Chiefs have to establish the run 
and pound the rock more. Yeah. That, so that, that, that's where I'm at. So you let me know the Chiefs have an RPO slash coaching issue, not a rushing problem. Is that the same? Yeah, I think we can shake hands and agree on that. And, and we, will, uh, we will lower the gates and bum, bada, bum, <laughs> welcome you to uh, Hot Take Kingdom. I'm, we're glad to have you. It doesn't, you, don't come, you don't come into the castle very often. And I'm just glad that we're going to kick it for once. Do you have any refreshments, any hors d'oeuvres, anything? Casey Beerco, are you okay, kidding me? Okay, good, good. And, and we, we oh, got I'm Jack. This is, this is Kansas City. This is the Hot Take Kingdom of the Chiefs. We have Jack Stack. We have Joe's. We have Gates. Oh, I'm in. Come on. All of it. All of it. Come on. If I'd have known this, I'd be agreeing with you every single time, Adam. Come on. I know. I know. I buried, I buried the lead. <laughs> Bad salesmanship. <laughs> uh, am I doing this? We're getting to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. It? I mean, we can't just end the show on a, on a high and hot take kingdom. Well, I, mean, I know, but I, I like agreeing. We don't always agree. So it was nice when we actually have that for once. I, I felt is. like, oh, this is it. We're done. Uh, we had to I, savor the moment a little bit. The next one, Saturday's not all right for hiring. Yeah, let's talk about off-the-rails Coats owner, Jim Ursay's shocking move to hire the team's former legendary center, Jeff Saturday, as the team's interim head coach. I, I don't understand it. A little, a little help to John, you know, I had to squeeze that in there. So... Saturday has never, ever in his life coached at the NFL or college level. Only high school. He was only moderately successful there. I'm not taking shots at the guy. I actually like him. I think he's a smart guy. I find his commentary uh, entertaining. He was a damn good player, right? But this just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, Does I'm, it make any sense to you? I mean, how have you been able to wrap your head around why this has happened? I mean, is Edron James going to be the running back coach? Like, I don't understand this. Reggie Wayne's actually on staff. <laughs> they could have just, you know, give it to Reggie Wayne. I, I, to be honest, I, I think this is a, and, and I know what Jim Ursay said, how he wants a guy who's not coached in college or the NFL because he won't have any preconceived notions. Then hire me. I'll have no preconceived notions, Jim. Come on. I'll probably cost a lot less than Jeff Saturday. I just don't understand it unless it's a case of this is legitimately just going to be a guy you're firing at the end of the season. That you don't want to give it to a candidate that you think could have a future here because the roster's not good enough and you want someone who you believe in you know, to start the offseason with a fresh slate. That's the only thing I can think of. I know people are saying, you know, it screams tanking. It kind of does. But to me, it screams personally. They might have a guy in mind. Maybe it's a guy on their staff. Maybe it's a guy who's not hired yet. They, they, they know that they have in place for, for the offseason the next year. But that Jeff Saturday is the guy who's going to be fired once the season's over. It gives him some experience. You don't fire a legitimate candidate. And this just gives those guys illegitimately opportunity for next year. Kind of a win-win. I think Irsay has caught a case, a bad case of Jerry Jones-itis. Mm. When you get a little older as an owner, you really want to start winning again. You get impatient. You're farther removed from the, the, uh, the golden years. I was listening to uh, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, who does a tremendous job 
covering the Colts, maybe one of the best beat writers in the business. And he was just saying in, in Indianapolis, not just Ursay, but everyone is obsessed with the Peyton Manning glory years. And there's not a lot of patience in that building. The other issue here is I don't think Chris Ballard and him, well, there are many issues. We'll get to some of them, but I don't think GM Chris Ballard and Ursay are on the same page. And I heard that Chris Ballard, who has a, a history with the Chiefs, came from our from our building, right? He basically said that I don't want to draft a quarterback because if I draft a quarterback in the first round and he's a bust, I lose my job. So we're going to cycle through retreads every single year. Uh, Rivers, Wentz, now Ryan. Ryan's already been benched for maybe the worst quarterback, starting quarterback <laughs> in the league now, right? I feel bad for the kid, Sam Ellinger. Uh, but it, it just doesn't make sense. You have to say that Andrew Luck's retirement, I, I don't begrudge him. Uh, if his body was not up to it, if he mentally was not up to it, if he wanted to have a, a future in terms of his health, the Colts really didn't protect him with an adequate offensive line. But him retiring on the eve of the season really put them in a tough spot. And they've just been reeling really reeling ever since. Yeah, no, they truly have been. It's, it's been a, and I understand where Chris Ballard's coming from or Ballard's coming from. If you're in that position, you don't want to lose your job. You're going to try whatever you can do to keep it. And he brings up a good point. If you, if you try and draft a first round and he, and he's a bust, you're already on a warm seat. Now you're on an extremely hot seat. You work so hard to get to that spot, to be a GM in the NFL. You don't want to lose it. So I can understand that, even though it's not what's best for the organization. Would be best for the organization is to start fresh. But as far as his best interests, sneak in the playoffs at 9-8 and eight and call it good. Just sneak in there. Uh, a couple comments I want to get to that I think are funny. Wayne Perryman, I love the Saturday hire. It makes me feel like I have what it takes to be a head coach too. Uh, Mike Tavener. Mike Tavener Media in the NFL, you need a QB1. They don't have that. No one is going to come in midseason and turn them around. I completely agree. Alan DeJong. DeJong? I'm saying DeJong. I feel like it's DeJong. Uh, can only imagine the amount of one-liners signing Saturday for Sunday. Let the jokes fly. And then Clint McKenzie, I love the hire. Let the Colts suck. <laughs> so overall, I love that another team in the AFC is self-destructing. What I don't love is, I think this has to be said, someone as unqualified for this particular role with no experience like Jeff Saturday getting a job when someone like Eric Bieniemy is has not gotten a head coaching job yet. It's really frustrating to me. I think you have to mention that there is, there is kind of a race component here, kind of an old boys... Um, in some instances, nepotism, the hiring of the NFL is problematic in many ways. This is another example of, of just an owner not taking the way things should be done seriously. The only thing I will say is when it comes to that, someone like Eric Bieniemy, you're not leaving midseason for this. That's not going to happen. So, so Eric Bieniemy, for example, he's not on. And that's why I said this is probably a example where they're going to eventually fire Saturday. And maybe they look at Eric Bieniemy. Maybe, 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 maybe not. But my point is, I don't think Saturday is the long-term future for the Colts. I think this is literally just a, he's going to be the face. Mizzou did this for about a year and a half, two years with Kim Anderson. He was an alumni. 
he was not going to be the long-term answer. He was an alumni. He played for the team. People liked him, but he wasn't going to be the long-term answer. I think Saturday is the same thing. It gets people talking about the Colts. Mm-hmm. He was a former Colts legend. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a long-term answer. He's there to be a, a fun name and potentially a good story if he wins any games at all. I just feel bad for the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, who got fired, and for Frank Reich, who is really a tremendous coach. I think he'll probably land on his feet. He's still wildly respected or widely respected around the league, maybe wildly too. Uh, I just think it's a tough spot for him. And probably, in my opinion, Chris Ballard should have should have been the one that that kind of took the ax. Yeah. But I you know, there's a lot of PR spin going on and, and this is what the Colts decided. And Hey, I'm, they've been a thorn in our side. So I'm just, I'm kind of happy to see him struggling. I love Gary H here Saturday, gone Sunday. <laughs> Keep the puns rolling. We're not beating that one. So with that, let's go to the next segment, the Casey stock market pump or dump. Yeah. We played this uh, new game a couple weeks ago before the bye week and had a lot of fun with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a stock, basically a sentence, a, a concept where do you agree with this or do you not agree with this? Are you buying? Or are you selling? You're going to tell us pump or dump in the comments and Sterling and I are going to decide what we feel. The first one is the chiefs will be the number one seed. Now that chaotic Josh Allen has returned. He's been a little bit up and down lately. And some of those bad tendencies have come back with the, turnover-worthy plays, and he's also dealing with an elbow injury. So Chiefs as the number one seed, are we pumping or dumping? At this point, I'm pumping. And I was not on board earlier in the year, in the offseason. I thought there was going to be a lot more growing pains, but the defense, in my opinion, has has exceeded my expectations. I I am pumping and pumping hard. Phrasing. Let's not go down that road again after last after last year. What are you doing? You pumping or dumping? Yeah, I, I'm pumping. I, the Chiefs' defense usually takes a little longer to see signs of of gelling, so that's really encouraging. And it's just a different unit with the team speed this year. And I really see Josh Allen and the Bills as the only real threat to the Chiefs uh, obtaining that number one seed. Maybe Miami is a dark, dark horse. You have to really kind of squint to see the Ravens or somebody else. So I'm, I'm pumping. Next one, Colin Saunders will be seen as the most improved member of the defense by season's end. Pump or dump? I think I'm pumping again. Because to be the most improved, mm-hmm. I guess you don't necessarily have to be from the chiefs previous roster, but it really helps us kind of judge where they were before uh, rookies. It's, it's hard to say it's a new league. So I think he has the most room for growth given that he really hasn't been able to accomplish much during his tenure. So yeah. Pump. How about you? I think so too. It would have been Turk Wharton, but with Turk Wharton out, I think Colin Saunders is the most logical player here you I mean Willie Gay Jr. can make a case for but Willie Gay Jr. is not necessarily you know you know sh- flown off the page right this mm-hmm. is a yeah I like Raymond it's it's a weak pump 
This is a weak pump here. It's one where it's like, yeah, he's probably the best option here. We're, we're high on Colin Saunders, but I don't even know how much playing time he's going to get. Nick Bolton was outstanding as a rookie. I think he's been very solid this year, but maybe even a step back. Um, mm-hmm. Juan Thornell's not been spectacular by any means, so I, I do think it's going to end up being Colin Saunders. Kind of by process of elimination, right? Yeah. So MVS will continue to be less of a factor because Kadarius Tony will emerge down the stretch. Pump or dump, Sterling? I think dump. I think dump. And the reason why is MVS is going to keep having this one game's outstanding, one game not. One game great, one game not. It's what he did with the Packers, and I think it's what he's going to do now because he's coming off a very bad game. Everyone has this in his mind that he's basically done for because Kadarius Tony is the new shiny toy. Everyone wants to say Tony. I like Kadarius Tony. He's so athletic, so quick, so shifty. But to me, Kadarius Tony was more of a future move, like next year on. Whether that's McCole Hardman insurance or not, that's where he fits in for me. I think he'll continuously get uh, sprinkled in to the offense, but I think he's still firmly behind MVS. I'm such a simp today. I'm pumping again. <laughs> uh, there are don't only say that, man. <laughs> Please don't say that ever again. <laughs> You're a simp, is that Adam? It's a joke, man. It's a joke. Oh. I, they're they're only they're only saying so many- that while we're saying pump. Come on. <laughs> there are only so many snaps to go around, right? And we're playing tight ends. We've got a handful of legitimate receivers. Kadarius Tony looked damn good in limited snaps. He was running crazy routes. He was he looked dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, he was pancaking defensive linemen. What the hell? I I have never seen anybody be so glad to be in Kansas City. No, I'm with you. But weren't you saying? I mean, at least I was. Those big games MVS had when he was starting to get on the same page with Mahomes, we're saying, "All right, we're starting to see him turn a page." Uh, come on, I mean, do, do, let's not let's take a bigger viewpoint here. We we saw a small sample sample size from Kadarius and it looked good. Yeah, it's week ten though. It's week ten coming up, and where are the MVS touchdown bombs? He even gave though he had those by this point, pretty much every season in Green Bay. Okay. And he hasn't delivered the one thing. We signed him to be a lid lifter, and he's not lifting the lid. What are you doing here? I, I think he serves a different different role, though, than, than Kadarius Tony. I, I don't think Tony's necessarily taking MVS off the field. That's my personal opinion. Sky they're, Moore? They're, Sky Moore's not going to play hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony's getting way more play than Sky Moore. This, in my opinion, would take more away from McCall Hardman. But Hardman's been great, so that's why it's going to be a tough situation. And my again, that's my opinion. So the cliche of all football cliches: too many mouths to feed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the last one. Over the second half of the year, Trent McDuff will be a lockdown defender and the top rookie defender overall outside of Sauce Gardner. I had to think about it, but I believe I'm dumping because there's a lot of there's a lot of talent out there. 
Aiden Hutchinson had a big interception of kind of an embarrassing interception for Aaron Rodgers. If you saw that on the goal line and there's a whole lottery list of other guys competing in this mix, it's just too much to ask. How about you? I'm pumping that he'll be a lockdown defender rest of the year, but I'm dumping that he'll be the top rookie defender overall outside of Sauce Gardner for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. A- again, it, if the first half was lockdown, I'm saying, oh yeah, baby, I'm pumping. But I'm dumping the second half of that sentence. I do think Aiden Hutchinson's starting to come into his own. Uh, throughout the first, what was it, seven games, uh, George Koloftis actually had more pressures than Aiden Hutchinson. Then all of a sudden, it just switched. Aiden Hutchinson turned into the guy who was in college, that, that, that top overall draft pick, right? That the super high draft pick. It's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, in my opinion. I think Sauce Gardner's here, then Aiden. I know this is different position, so it's difficult to tell when it comes to, to you know, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, this, that, and the other. But Aiden Hutchinson's starting to look really, really good. Man, Sauce Gardner is off the screen. That dude yeah. is, is un, like Deion Sanders, Revis Island territory. He oh, is yeah. just... So good and so fun to watch. Uh, made life miserable for the Bills on Sunday. We love that. Let's get into Spot the Fake, one of our favorite things to do. You guys know the drill by now. Uh, no cheating, Sterling, or the audience. So don't post, please, in the comments. Don't post because I can see it. Please don't show me. So which of the following are not moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Nebula bites into a yarrow root that isn't ripe. Iron Man pees his suit while intoxicated. Thor gets turned into a centaur by his brother Loki. And a time machine mishap turns Ant-Man into a baby. (laughs) I don't know half of these words. So weird. Nebula, Yarrow Root, don't know. Uh, Loki, no... Iron Man, I've seen the movie, and it feels like something Robert Downey Jr. would probably do. So I feel like that's legit. Never seen Ant-Man. I'm going to go with the time machine with Ant-Man. You want a second? Another stab? See if you can get it in two tries. Oh, yeah. I got to give you two. Uh, Let's go with uh, Thor gets turned into a centaur by his brother Loki. Ding, 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 ding. I have no idea what this stuff is. Well, hello, boys. It's not ripe. I have no idea. Funny moment. That, no. that, that's Nebula. Ryan Foster, he, he says, man, I came for the football talk. We just spent an hour and eight minutes talking football. <laughs> you showed up at the one minute where Adam was was out nerding me. I apologize. It's just a little bit of a nightcap after, you know, a long, a long night of partying or whatever. If you want to start from the beginning, Ryan, start first hour and eight minutes, you're golden. And then just give us the boot and we get to spot the fake. <laughs> Let's finish the show with the parting shot. This is from the immortal Tom Petty. You could stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Forgive the timely election jargon, but Sunday Night Football was a battle for the soul of pro football. Mike Vrabel and his merry band of bullies tried to drag us back to the Stone Ages. The Titans set out to prove football is about establishing the run, about punching the opponent in the mouth. During the first half, we all wondered, gulp, maybe the game hasn't evolved to the point we thought it had. Enter one Patrick Mahomes. 
the patron saint of pass-happy offenses. At the behest of Andy Reid, he aired it out, which fittingly let the air out of Rabel's puffy vest. The world saw that, no, you cannot win a game by throwing 56 less passes than a skilled opponent. Mahomes and the Chiefs got backed into a corner and used strategy, skill, and will to beat the Bulls. The third and 17 run was Mahomes' defining MVP campaign moment. His way of saying, there is no way to contain me or this Kansas City offense. We will never back down, never stop evolving. In a year of grimy, low-scoring, defensive-oriented football, Mahomes has kept fireworks in the sky. We are beyond lucky to have him. That's all we've got, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Wacky Wednesday. And as always, go Chiefs! credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.